Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity, winding down the old year as we talk with 3rd District Congressman, the Honorable Frank Lucas of Cheyenne, Oklahoma. Talking with the congressman today from his office in our nation's capital. A variety of subjects. We're going to start with some agricultural market transparency issues, but also talk about his time uh, this year in the Science Committee and uh, compare a little bit of when he was first elected to Congress versus today. All that on today's Road to Rural Prosperity. We'll be back in just a few moments. Howdy neighbors, Ron Hayes for Union Mutual Insurance. Union Mutual has been serving the insurance needs of farmers and ranchers since 1938. That's 83 years of protecting rural Americans, providing town and country, poultry house, and legacy rural actual cash value policies. With 300 agents to serve you, it's time to take a good hard look at Union Mutual Insurance Company. For the agent nearest you, go to unionmutualic.com or give them a call 405-286-7703. Talking today with Oklahoma 3rd District Congressman, Congressman Frank Lucas, of course, former chair of the House Agriculture Committee. And uh, Congressman, we, we want to obviously talk about several things in the world of agriculture, but we want, do want to get over to the committee where you're current ranking member as well here in a little bit, the uh, the Science Committee. But let's start with agriculture. We've got a couple of uh, measures that uh, you've had a lot of interest in that passed overwhelmingly in the House of Representatives just a few days ago. Uh, one to kick the can down the road a little bit further on the LMR, but also the Cattle Contract Library Act of 2021. Maybe on the on the Livestock Mandatory Reporting Act, first of all, you are you, are you happy? At least we got a little more time on it. Absolutely, Ron. What we passed in the House would reauthorize it until September of 2022. That's important because it's a piece of the overall Uh, efforts of trying to bring some sanity to the livestock markets. I don't know for sure what the Senate will do, but I would put this caveat on there. The CR, the temporary funding resolution, that's funding the federal government until December, what, 15, funds that also. So if we don't reauthorize, if we don't fund the government past February 15, then this expires too. But it's important that this piece of legislation be put back on the books and kept in place because of its reporting requirements until we get to whatever the ultimate answer is to all this, Ron. Now, on, on that, that particular piece of legislation, now obviously no changes. That just basically takes it intact and just moves the end date out to the end of the current fiscal year, right? Clean reauthorization, correct. Let's, let's talk about the, uh, the Cattle Contract Library Act of 2021. I know this is something that uh, uh, you and some of the other, uh, uh, your colleagues that have interest in agriculture have talked about for, you know, what, literally uh, a year or longer. Yes, this is an effort. <laughs> this is an effort that will not fix all the challenges we face, but for way too long. And we've seen this since the Hokum fire. We've seen it during COVID. Cattle producers are operating under some of the most volatile market conditions in my lifetime, uh, forced to accept declining prices. I mean, in and up and down prices. The goal of the Cattle Contract Library Act is to provide more information so that producers have a better ability 
to to be able to judge what's going on. The bill instructs USDA to regularly update the library in a format that people can actually use. It authorizes USDA to issue grants to universities, associations, institutions, think of the nonprofit kind of folks who can work with producers to get the information out there. Uh, again, the goal is to provide more information to producers so they can make better decisions. It actually passed the House on a vote of 411 to 13. Is it the end all to end all of all of our challenges? No, but it's a piece in the puzzle of trying to make things work better for, for all producers. I know that, um, you know, in ta talking to uh, some folks uh, that as they looked at that uh, predecessor to this cattle co contract library is the pork library that we've got. And they feel that that actually in some ways has hurt uh, pork producers because it, in some ways it gave the, too much raw data uh, to other packers. Well, that's part of the problem here. Is the glass half full? Is the glass half empty? And we're trying to address uh, the issue right now. Ultimately, this issue, these issues will be brought to a focus when the Department of Justice finishes their anti-monopoly, uh, anti-trust, their anti-competition uh, investigation going on now. And remember, that's not just civil, that's criminal also. So under federal existing law, if the Justice Department determines that there's collusion and concentration within the industry, they literally can prosecute the executives of these companies for manipulating the prices working together, criminally prosecute them, and they can also order the entities to be broken up. Remember, A. Mall Bell went away in 1982 because they were defined as monopoly. The historians will remember Standard Oil going away, John D. Rockefeller's company, because the Justice Department on these acts determined they were a monopoly. I am hopeful that we will get action from the Department of Justice if they determine that the statutes do not exactly cover where we're at, then I want them to spell that out. We'll change the law, because after all, anybody that's been in the business in recent years, whether the aftermath of the Hokum fire or watching what COVID did to the workforces and the packing plants and how those events created such gyrations, consumers paying super high prices, uh, and not having supply to pick from, and producers getting slammed on the on the on the live side, something's got to change. We're just got we just got to get to the point to be able to do that, Ron. Seems like uh, we're just kind of reliving this kind of over and over. We, you know, we we continue to be kind of in limbo until the uh, the DOJ does something. That is correct, and I promise you, every member in livestock country has pushed as hard as they can on everyone they know at justice, but the Department of Justice, because of the criminal nature, people go to jail, businesses can be torn economically limb from limb, it's very methodical and very slow, but once they take action, uh, they make a real difference. Now, you know, until we get there, uh, you, you're kind of suggesting that Congress, uh, there's, there's a limit to what Congress can really do. Yes, in the big report that USDA put out after the Holcomb thing, it discussed uh, issues like expanding competition in medium and small packers. We've done that. We've seen a lot of new livestock processing facilities pop up in Oklahoma and across the line. It discussed making information more available. That's why we've stepped up with things like the Cattle Contract Library Act, uh, just trying to, trying, to, trying to make things happen as quickly as we can. But that's not the 12-ton uh, 
gorilla out there? That's the question about concentration within the packing industry. And right now, I don't believe you'll see action either in the House or the Senate until we get that definitive response from the Department of Justice. Are they a go to take legal action? If not, do they see things that need to be changed to make that legal action possible? If they claim that there's no problems, then I promise you it'll be the most amazing series of committee investigations of the Justice Department report after that. I have a hard time believing it'll be the last choice, but we'll see. You, uh, you, you obviously just point out that it's going to be difficult to get anything done uh, either the House or the Senate until we get some of that, uh, that, uh, that direction from DOJ. But clearly, uh, on something like this Cattle Contract Library Act, uh, the House was able to move. The question is, I know you don't have really a crystal ball that really picks up the, the frequencies of the Senate, but, but they could move, right? They could move. It is in their lap now. It passed overwhelmingly. Sometimes controversial bills leaving the House have a hard time in the United States Senate. But when you pass something 411 yes to 13 no, that's as close to a landslide as you're ever going to get in the body I serve right now. A clear signal. We see problems out there and we want to do something about it. And this is one of the steps to do something about it. I guess your uh, your old friend Senator Grassley would maybe have to get on board. Uh, he's obviously got it in a whole package of things that he wants to have done, and uh, I guess he has to give up that chip if he wanted to let it go forward. I can't speak for Senator Grassley. I just know that the state he represents has a slightly different livestock uh, industry than we have in Oklahoma in the southwest, a slightly different feeder situation than we have. But ultimately, we have to get to the point where you have things that will work for everybody that we can all agree on. You can't just say, I like mine and I want everyone else to do it my way. We have problems with that right now in the livestock industry in California. Now, when it comes to uh, uh, other things that, that maybe you're hearing from, uh, from your constituents from, and, and as you talk with other members of, of Congress that, are, that uh, have interest in the livestock industry, Anything else out there that you see that you really would like to see addressed until we know something from DOJ? I think that we all recognize that whether it's USDA-based or state-based, the efforts at changing the nature of the smaller and intermediate packing situations going on. Uh, there's great concern amongst all my constituents about potential concentration amongst the biggest four or so out there. Uh, that's on their mind. But right now, if you talk to people in the western, uh, I would say half, if not two-thirds, of the 3rd District of Oklahoma, they tell you it's time to rain on that wheat. Uh, the pasture conditions are starting to get rough out there. Uh, many of us will not have winter grazing by the lack of moisture that we've had so far. So it's back to those kind of issues. Live cash prices have come up some in the last uh, couple of months in the live cattle trade uh, at home stockers uh, leaving the farms that's a good thing will it last will it hold we'll see but by and large we're just holding our breath uh, waiting to see what the new year holds and will we be able to in this covid world we live in right now will we get back to some semblance of normal whether it's how we live our lives or how we raise our crops or how consumers uh, purchase those finished products as you uh, contemplate uh, the new year, 2022, of course, it's a congressional election year. Uh, assuming that you uh, do uh, pull the trigger, run again, 
uh, are reelected. Uh, do you still indicate or, or have you still gotten indications from leadership that you will have the opportunity to go back to the Agriculture Committee to be there in time for the writing of the next farm bill? Leadership and I agree that we will be in the majority unless there's some dramatic change of course in the next, uh, the next year. Being in the majority means more seats open in all committees. I expect to be back. I have my letter from leadership that notes that I'm on leave from the committee. I have not officially left the committee. I'm on temporary leave. My seniority is preserved. The farm bill is scheduled to be addressed in 2023, so that will not be this session of Congress. It'll be the session after Election Day. I expect to be in there in the, in the, in the, up to my elbows once again. Uh, there's no issue more important to me no issue that has more of a dramatic effect on my district as a whole, and for that matter, every consumer in the United States and around the world. Making sure we have enough food and fiber to meet our needs of the highest and safest quality that we can then sell the surplus into world markets is still the, not only the miracle of American production agriculture, but one of my highest priorities, Ron. Let's talk about uh, your uh, your spot as ranking member on the science committee. Um, what you know, give, give me kind of an overview of what you feel that uh, has been accomplished uh, this year uh, on on that particular committee on behalf of uh, of Americas. I've worked really hard to bring the science committee around to the spirit, the traditional spirit of the House Agriculture Committee. We're working in a bipartisan way. We don't necessarily agree on anything, on everything, I should say. But my chairman right now, Eddie Bernice Johnson from Texas, and I have a great working relationship. Just as I had a great working relationship with Colin Peterson on the Ag Committee, we've passed bills to reauthorize the National Science Foundation, the basic research programs in this country. We've passed a bill to reauthorize the science, uh, the, sorry, the energy programs at the Department of Energy. We're the civilian side of the equation. Uh, we need to do a bill to reauthorize NASA, but that involves uh, some decisions have to be made on the Democratic side at their leadership so their members can move forward. But we're basically taking the science committee and the basic research programs in this country down the road towards trying to rebuild our excellence so we can compete with the Chinese and those around the world who are trying to to upend us economically and scientifically. Uh, I'm very proud of where we are. Control of uh, Congress flips uh, on this next election day. I would expect to be chairman of the Science, Space, and Technology Committee. I would expect that whether it's uh, NASA back to the moon and on to Mars or, or the things we're going to do to improve the quality and the effectiveness of the National Weather Service forecast, which falls within our jurisdiction, or the research programs at the uh, National Science Foundation or the Department of Energy, we're going to be competitive. The Science Committee, in, as we would, I think, typically say at home, is the committee that produces the seed Call it seed corn, call it seed wheat, call it seed stock, whatever you want to call it. We produce the seed that is the future of this country. It's a fun committee. Uh, That said, my third committee, our other committee assignments, financial services, and that's an effort to make sure that bankers can be bankers and that my neighbors, whether they're Aggies or Oilies or Main Street folks or people just trying to make a living in life, have the ability to access the capital the money they need to do their businesses, to lead their lives in a cost-efficient, effective way. So uh, I've got a full plate this this coming year. I'll have a full plate after the election next time. Uh, but 
we have to get Congress back to the point in the traditional spirit of the Ag Committee, where I think we are now in the Science Committee, of working together for the common good to move the country forward. Standing in the corner screaming at each other <laughs> will not ha- enable us to stay ahead of the Chinese or the Russians or whatever other challenges we face in the world. We have to move forward. And that doesn't mean compromising principles. That means agreeing on the things that we can agree on, achieving consensus. There's enough common goals we can agree on to move forward. We just need to move forward. So I'm ready for a new year, maybe in a year or so, a new session of Congress, a new mm-hmm. circumstance, because there's just things that have got to be done. We cannot, we cannot let the Chinese or the Russians or our other challengers around the world overtake us. We cannot let that happen. Know that uh, you kind of alluded to that that uh, that election out there, the potential of maybe uh, uh, the flipping the House of Representatives. Who knows on the Senate, most certainly. But uh, uh, it seems like that uh, there's been a lot of uh, very partisan efforts. Uh, with I guess the most recent example is Bill Back Better in the U.S. House. Absolutely, and that's one of the frustrating things. When the majority, whoever the majority is, decides to do it their way without any input from the minority, without taking advice, without factoring in other issues, uh, then you wind up with documents that are not perfect. Sometimes they're not even practical, and they're extremely difficult to pass. And I would note that in the United States Senate, it's not really the Republicans who are preventing the passage of, of President Biden's great big build back better agendas, he likes to call it. It's his own Democrats that won't vote for it. His own people won't vote for it right now. Bottom line, uh, are you anticipating that that's going to be uh, uh, what, what's going to end up being our, uh, our uh, I guess, uh, reconciliation package that uh, we'll be getting, you know, I guess our funding for, uh, for the various uh, you know, components of the government, including the Department of Agriculture and more? I believe that we will continue to fund the government after the 15th of February. I don't know whether it will be part of a giant kebab with their Build Back America, Build Back Better so-called proposal, or whether it will be piecemeal, but they have to fund the government. They have to do that. We have to pay for the Department of Defense. We have to maintain the health inspectors at the borders and overseas. We just There's things we have to do, maintain the, the transportation issues. Build Back Better America, I think it will eventually pass. I don't know how small it left shrink. I don't know how much pressure they'll have to put on Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema. But I promise you, before it's over with, the hounds from political hell will be unleashed <laughs> on those people by their own folks. I remember uh, when uh, you were first elected to Congress, uh, Mr. Lucas, uh, back uh, in those days of uh, of Newt Gingrich and and, and others, uh, and that uh, that remarkable time, uh, that uh, it was it was a different animal then. But I mean, you know, there there's some similarities, obviously. But reflect with me for just a moment as we wrap up today. You know, what what has happened? In other words, how, how has this thing evolved from those days when you first got to D.C. to to now, 2021, 2022? When I first came, we operated under what I would refer to as Speaker Rayburn's model, strong committee chairmen and women, uh, leadership that was relevant, but strong committee chairmen and women who drove the legislative policy. They literally, in my opinion, protected leadership from the membership, and they protected membership from the leadership. Uh, 
starting with Speaker uh, Gingrich and Majority Leader Army, uh, continuing through Hastert and Boehner and Pelosi and Ryan and Pelosi again, all of those people, they shifted the model to strong leadership and they tried to weaken the committee chairmen and women. You well remember in 2012 and 2013 and 2014 when I didn't have the support of my elected leadership and I had to overcome them to pass a comprehensive farm bill, the same farm bill that with modifications in 2018 we work under to now. I think I think it was a mistake to go to the model we've used since 1995. Given a choice, I would go back to the strong chairman, chairwoman model because I think they're people who understand because of experience the process and how to craft bills. That said, I still get my legislative work done. It's just harder in the present system. It's not impossible. It's like two and a half years to do a farm bill. I have managed working with Chairwoman Johnson to reauthorize the major pieces of the scientific research community in the United States. Don't have the Senate with me quite yet, but I've done my work in the House, working with my uh, chairman on the other side of the room too. I just believe that we're in an environment that will continue for the foreseeable future, and you just, bottom line is, you just have to work harder. You have to be more methodical and thorough in your work product. And unlike many things that are done in this town, you have to be able to explain to people why your legislative work is for them, why it's in their best interest, why it needs to happen. Because there is a great concern in this great nation that we've gotten to the point where the legislative process, the political process in D.C. does things to people, not for them. I reject that concept, and I will continue, as I always have, to work for my good folks. Anyone who's had a chance to come to my office can see the things on my wall from the picture of a little house that used to exist halfway between where I live now and where I was raised, taken in about 1937, how tough the world was in the Great Depression in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I've got a picture of downtown Cheyenne in 1899, the oldest photo if I can find. No trees, no grass, no nothing. Uh, the point being, I never forget where my people have been, both my constituents and my family, and I want to make sure we never go back to the bad days. We need to move forward in a positive fashion together. Merry Christmas to you and Linda. Same to you, Ron, and I hope to be out of this town because I'm always concerned that Santa Claus uh, won't come to D.C. <laughs> Thanks, Congressman. Congressman Frank Lucas from his Washington, D.C. office. And that is our Road to Rural Prosperity podcast today here on the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network. I'm Ron Hayes reporting. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.